Hi, I'm Heather Mulder. And I'm Janice Greeno, and you're listening to Dementia Untangled, where we explore the topic of dementia through conversations with physicians, experts, and community leaders. Our discussions focus on innovative ideas, practical strategies, and proven methods to guide caregivers along a supportive path. Hello, and welcome to Dementia Untangled. Thank you for joining us for this episode of our podcast. Today, our conversation will be with Jennifer Reeder, a licensed clinical social worker and director of education and social services with the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. And we're going to be discussing a dementia-friendly home. I just want you to take a minute and think about home. What emotions, what feelings does that bring to mind for you? For me, I think of familiarity. I think of security, safety, belonging, comfort. You know, the list is really endless. And when we think about how do we make our home continue to support a person living with dementia, um, we can go from so many different angles. When we think of design, really, the look and feel of an environment, I've heard all these fun different strategies that you can use, like take a cue from your wardrobe and decorate your home like that. But, you know, design elements have been used purposefully by many different organizations. Let's think about a fast food chain that has those bright yellow golden arches. They have the (laughs) red and yellow logo. You know, that wasn't just happenstance that that happened. Really those two colors are linked to energy and excitement and are thought to stimulate your appetite. So now every time you drive by those golden arches, you think, oh, I could use a little snack. And you know, museums use design to help you move through spaces purposefully. I used to um, visit an adult day center that used design and different elements to support the people that were visiting every day. And I recall walking in there and they actually um, camouflaged their front door and they used wallpaper that looked like a bookcase across that entire wall of the space. So when you would walk in, they would shut the door And the door was completely camouflaged, helping to support people who might try to elope or wander throughout the day. I have to tell you, it was very comical when we would try to leave because they would see the person unfamiliar with the environment, myself, trying to locate where the hidden door was. (laughs) But what if we could use design to help a person with dementia through color, lighting, space layout, so their home enables them to live their best? Heather, I just love how you ask us to think about home. And I like to think about home, like you mentioned, as a place of safety and refuge and comfort and support, a place where everyone can flourish and find rest and joy and have the very best quality of life as possible. And I love how you're talking about the intentionality of these organizations. And we can apply that in our homes as well. Just like the organizations, we can create a home 
that empowers everyone living there to thrive and have a safe haven. And I'm so excited today to get some simple tips about creating a space like that. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Before we learn some of these simple tips that can help enhance our home environment, I want to learn a little bit more about you. Could you tell us about your journey and what led you to connect with the dementia community? Sure. So, well, I've been a social worker for quite a while. I would say by since I graduated with my master's uh, in social work from Temple University in 2011. And right from then, I started working with families uh, through nonprofit organizations and providing family therapy within the home. And so I had a wonderful, amazing opportunity to work with a very diverse group of families, uh, families from all different socioeconomic neighborhoods. And it really helped me to really understand and experience how there really can never be a one size fits all on any type of approach when supporting people and supporting families. And, you know, I was touched by dementia myself because my, my grandmother, she had vascular dementia after experiencing a stroke. And my, my grandfather also had dementia as well. He was, his was undiagnosed, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, I just really experienced the, the life that, that they led when they, when they had dementia and so many people, you know, I think just, just trying to provide care, uh, like they would provide care for anyone, but, you know, we really need to be you know, offering a person-centered approach when we're supporting those with dementia, uh, because a person's life experiences greatly affects how, how, it did, how the disease is affecting them. And then also just how their environment is affecting, is affecting them as well. So, you know, just from my, from my experience and working in different nonprofit sectors and working with different types of families with experiencing different issues that they were having, I think it really just helped to lead me to the place where I am now here at the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. What a great story about how all of these pieces kind of come together um, to lead you to where you are now. Yeah, I've been working really hard on, you know, helping the Alzheimer's Foundation offer different workshops for those working in dementia care to really look beyond, look beyond the disease, look at the person, taking that person-centered approach, looking at, you know, if a person has experienced trauma, how that might be affecting them in the here and now, uh, you know, thinking about a person's culture and how to be able to incorporate a person's culture into their dementia care as well. So, you know, all of this is so incredibly important. Oh, Jennifer, I see the potential for so many future conversations. But <laughs> today, I really want to learn more about creating a dementia-friendly home. And the Alzheimer's Foundation of America has done something really interesting where they actually um, designed an apartment um, using, dementia, uh, using a dementia-friendly mindset. So I wonder if we could kind of start with just some level setting and what is a dementia-friendly home? 
Sure. So a dementia-friendly home is really about helping an individual feel safe and comfortable in their home. Uh, you know, so often we see that distressing behaviors such as agitation, aggression, uh, you know, wandering, um, that, that all of that can lead to individuals moving to a long-term care facility before really medically necessary. And you know, what we found is that what really needs to be put in place in the homes are different safety features uh, that you know, people might not even think about that are either at no cost, at low cost. Uh, and then there are other you know, different types of technology, technology devices that could you know, help a person be able to stay at home for as long as possible uh, and also remain independent as long as possible as well. So, so yes, yeah, so I'm really excited to talk about all of these different features. You know, when we think about creating a home that is dementia friendly, one of the first things that you mentioned was safety. And I know that if we go on the internet, we can find all kinds of resources about creating a dementia friendly home that's safe, but can you just highlight a few of those important features that we should have in a dementia friendly home? Sure. So when we think about a, a dementia friendly home, you know, we're thinking about how a person, how the disease is affecting the individual. So, you know, it's affecting their five senses. Uh, we know this. And what we know is that it's affecting their sight. So we really want to be sure that floors are without glare, uh, because if there's if the floor is very glossy and shiny, that can really disorient a person. Uh, we want to think about the colors of the walls. And, you know, just as Heather was talking about in the beginning that, you know, certain colors stimulate energy and also stimulate appetite. Well, we also want to be thinking about colors that that help a person feel at ease help to soothe a person like blues and greens so those are colors that you might want to have in a bathroom in the bedroom places where a person's going to be wanting to be unwinding uh, thinking about smells you know we want to be sure that uh, we're always regularly checking smoke and carbon monoxide detectors uh, and when we you know when we're about the kitchen, we want to be sure that there isn't anything in the kitchen that might trigger a person to use the stovetop or the oven uh, when not, not when they're not able to do that at that time, or they shouldn't be using devices like that could be hurting a person or injuring a person at that time. Uh, when we're thinking about you know touch as well, you know what kind of fabrics do we want to be having throughout the throughout the home? Uh, so just different things that can help a person feel safe uh, while also bringing that comfort as well, because there's so many things throughout the day that I think that can be distressing for an individual. And we always want to be able to have like reminiscent decorations as well throughout the home to ground a person when they're feeling distressed. Jennifer, I love how you talk about looking through the home, really considering the five senses but really, when we think of the changes that happen as a part of dementia, um, they can really impact the design as well. And the one that comes top of mind for me, especially for people living with Alzheimer's disease, the first changes they experience are with memory. Do you have strategies that could help support someone who is living with short-term memory loss or even play to their strength of their long-term memory? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's really, it's really important to be able to have certain things in place to like reminders for an individual, uh, you know, such as medication, making sure that there are reminders in the home for a person on when they need to take their medication, what type of medication they need to take at that time. It can be really confusing because we know that older adults tend to have more prescription medications than, than younger adults do. So, you know, those reminders, and that can be, that can look like a calendar, it can look like a whiteboard. Uh, you know, the in the apartment we have our smart refrigerator, uh, which not everyone can is able to afford because I'm sure they're quite pricey. But they do have really great features in being able to program calendars on the actual refrigerator and reminders. Uh, you know, it's always good too to have certain like when you have in, in the kitchen about making sure to have labels on all the foods so that people are reminded of what food is in in different in different containers or reminders on drawers, uh, like on a, a bureau or something like that. So, you know, what's in each drawer? Uh, you know, this is all about, you know, for memory, because we I think what's important to note is that memory is very much connected to a person's independence. And it's so important that an, an older adult maintains their independence as long as possible uh, and remains active. So, you know, always having these things in place that can maintain that independence. So a person can continue to take their medication on their own, continue to be able to, to get themselves ready for the day. Uh, you know, all of those things are really, really important to have in place. Jennifer, I love how you're sharing ideas that are simple and mostly inexpensive. Yes, you can get those kind of refrigerators and um, technology, but most of what you're sharing is things that people can do inexpensively. And I love how you're talking about keeping people as independent for as long as possible. And tell us a little bit more about you know, how you can organize and group items to help them do that. Sure. So we're thinking about somebody's executive functioning skills. Uh, it can be it can be difficult sometimes for people to be able to complete familiar tasks. Uh, let's say, for instance, somebody loves loves making a certain recipe. Uh, so, you know, whatever that may be, grouping those those items together to be able to make that special recipe. So the person can continue to, to create you know, those cookies, make those cookies that they've always wanted to cook every single holiday season. Uh, you know, and also just organizing items and so making sure that organizing items within the bathroom are all together uh, or, or in the living room. Uh, in, in our apartment, we have a, a remote controlled TV that's programmed in a very simplistic way. I think it has like three buttons on it as opposed to other, uh, you know, TV remotes that tend to have like 20 buttons on them. Uh, so just having things more simplistic to be able to, to ensure that the person can do these things on their own. These are all great strategies and, and really considering how the disease progresses in someone, but sometimes there can be behavioral changes, things like agitation, anxiety, even wandering that can be really distressing for the individual and those who care about them. Are there ways that we could use the home to support a person or even try to reduce or eliminate these behaviors? 
Yeah, absolutely. So there, you know, this is where I think reminiscent decorations can be incredibly helpful. Uh, you know, when somebody is in an agitated state, uh, you know, something that you can do, somebody, let's say they're, they're at home, but they don't realize they're home and they're saying, I, I need to get home, I need to leave. You know, a way that you can help the person is, you know, stim stimulating the person in a physical way by walking them around the house and then also stimulating the mind as well by showing them the different decorations or photographs that you might have on the home, on the walls to be able to help ground them and feel them more connect, feel, help them feel more connected to the environment that they're in and connected to what home is. Uh, and then other things that we have too, we have um, like such as like unique door decorations. So if a person does leave their home, let's say they live in an apartment building and they leave the home and all of a sudden they realize they need to get back home. Uh, you know, having like a, a big red wreath on the on the door can help the person kind of remember that, oh, that's my door. That's where that's my home in there. Uh, you know, also we have um, like motion paging systems too can be really helpful. So if somebody does live in a home with with their family and they do tend to wander in the evening, uh, you can put a motion paging system. It's like it's on the, the, the side of the, the bed. So then when they get out of the bed, a silent alarm goes off. So the, the, pers the other person in the home is alerted that they've gotten up from their bed and you know, they're, they're, they're on the move. Uh, also alert systems that can be on doors as well that are actually can be utilized from afar too through an app. So, you know, if you are a care partner from afar, you'll be alerted when somebody is leaving or coming into the home. So that can be a really great way of also ensuring that the person, uh, you know, if they are leaving the home, that they're supervised if they need to be. I like how you're talking about utilizing technology from afar, because sometimes we do have those folks who are long distance caregivers. And I wonder um, if you can talk about that and a little bit more about any kind of technology who, that might help someone living with dementia, even if they're living alone. Yeah, so there are there are many different technology devices that are out there, and that's something that I think is is a really great thing to do if you are if you are looking toward creating a dementia friendly home is just feeling comfortable with the different technology devices that are out there. So, you know, there, there's one such as uh, like a thermostat. Uh, there are thermostats that you can control from afar. So, you know, like here in New York, the temperature tends to change throughout the day. So the morning time might be much cooler than all of a sudden in the afternoon, it's a hundred degrees. So, you know, if you are living afar from the person, from your loved one who's living on their own, you can make sure that the thermostat is adjust throughout the day. Uh, because that's something that can certainly trigger agitation for a person uh, is if they're uncomfortable with the, the temperature of, the, of a room. Uh, also, you know, when it comes to uh, fire alarms and smoke, smoke detectors and, uh, and carbon monoxide detectors, uh, those can be alerted as well from afar uh, through, through the app. And then you can also have different types of uh, voice alerts as well. So instead of having a beeping noise for a smoke alarm, it can be a person's voice 
that you can that you can adjust. So that could be less uh, alerting or less scary and frightening for the individual if they hear a voice telling them that they should leave the home versus a beeping noise. Oh, that's really interesting. I like that idea of having a voice alerting someone because yes, absolutely, that alarm sound can be really distressing. Yeah, and there's also, you know, there you can also like uh, like Alexa or like those types of um, music uh, devices that, that play music throughout the home. You can also time those to play music at certain times of the day. So if the evening time is a difficult time of the day for for a person, you can make sure that certain like soothing music or the person's favorite song comes on at a certain time throughout the day. And even in our work with individuals living with MCI and early stage, I hear over and over how helpful technology like Alexa and those reminder apps are for them because they can just speak out loud, set an alarm reminder for my doctor's appointment at this time. But then I've also had them say, of course, we, we have someone with a memory problem. So they'll tell Alexa to remind them over and over again. And then when it comes time, here come five alarms for them to remind them right. to go to the doctor's appointment. Yeah. But, you know, something else that comes to mind for me that can be a hazard um, is clutter. Mm -hmm. I think some people are, you know, naturally very neat and tidy people. But as the disease progresses, you can start to see them become more of a collector. Mm -hmm. um, and then other people, maybe they just always kind of had comfort with a lot of belongings around them. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that, that's a really tough one because, uh, you know, as you said, as people get older, they tend people tend to like to collect things, uh, and and also people who have dementia, they can experience symptoms of like OCD, for instance, uh, like uh, any type of anxiety, and to be able to ease anxiety, sometimes that may mean holding on to things. So, and you you know, you always want to meet the person where they're at. I think it's always really important to really kind of consider. With the, with the individual, what is it that they can release? What is it they can let go? Uh, and the things that they can, at least making sure that even if the home is does have a bit of clutter, at least if there is a safe pathway throughout the home where a person isn't going to trip and hurt themselves. Um, but it's, it's good to get, I think, professional advice as well uh, when a home has gotten a little bit too much to a place of clutter, where it's not really soothing the person, but it's actually causing more distress. Heather and Jennifer, I just think that this topic is something that maybe we could even do a, a whole additional episode on. And to our listeners, I hope you know we love hearing from you. So if this topic, the topic of clutter, is something you would like to hear more about, let us know what questions you have or let us know what great tips that you might have come up with on your own that we can share. And you can always email us at dementiauntangled at bannerhealth.com. Now, speaking of clutter, Jennifer, can you just walk us through a home? Give us a tour, a virtual tour of some, some more ideas and tips and tricks for someone as they're creating this type of a home. 
Sure. Uh, so I had already mentioned the, the smart refrigerator, which is pretty incredible. The smart refrigerator even has a, a camera that uh, that's inside the refrigerator. So if you are a care partner from afar, on your phone, you can look and see what's in the refrigerator to make sure that the individual is eating their food and that uh, food isn't spoiling, that they're eating fresh foods. So that there's there's so much that you can do with that refrigerator. But aside from, aside from that, you know, you can also think about smart burners. Smart burners are a really great thing too, because they have, there's temperature control with the smart burners. And those are very affordable and they're very easy to plug in. Uh, and I think, but you have to be, you have to have an electric stove for those. Um, but it's just, it helps to make sure that the individual doesn't severely burn themselves uh, if, they, if they were to do that. But uh, if the, the smart burners don't get too hot. Uh, then also there's uh, electric tea kettles. Those are really great as well uh, because they automatically turn off when they've been on for too long. Uh, automatic fire extinguishers are really great too in the kitchen. You can have those under right above the stove so that there is a fire. It releases baking soda uh, to be able to you know, uh, distinguish a fire. Uh, there are microwave ovens that will only go up to six minutes so that you know somebody won't be using the microwave for two hours. Uh, kitchen cabinets, you know, making sure that kitchen cabinets uh, have different colors. So when we think about color contrast, it's really good to have, let's say the kitchen cabinets are all white. You don't want to have white, uh, you don't want to have white uh, uh, knobs. You want to make the knobs a different color, like black or something so the person can see it a little better or a bright red maybe so it stands out. Uh, and then, you know, just thinking about other safety features for the kitchen, just making sure that the garbage disposal is, is disconnected, uh, making sure that there aren't magnets in the, in the kitchen that look like food or other objects that aren't food that might look like food, just making sure that those aren't around. Thinking about the living room, uh, making sure that, you know, there aren't any dizzying type of ornaments throughout the home as well, especially the living room. When we think about, you know, um, decorating for the holidays. There are bright lights and, and blinking lights. So that can be very disorienting for an individual. So we want to kind of lessen all of that. Uh, you know, always making sure as we talk about the clutter, making sure the hallways and doorways aren't cluttered in any type of way. Uh, you know, thinking about what a person's watching in the evening when they're when they're in their living room. So you want to have nice low lighting. You don't want to have a lot of blue light going on. They have like a circadian light bulbs that you can use that kind of mimic the sunlight. Uh, that can really help a person be able to wind down in the evening. So, you know, putting something soothing on the TV versus the, the news. The news can be very distressing. That can be a difficult time for a person to be able to sleep at night because they might not necessarily remember what they were watching, but they may still be holding on to the emotion of what they're experiencing when watching the, the TV program. So just being conscious of all of that. Uh, making sure that digital clocks have very nice big faces so the person can see what time it is. Uh, having them in the living room, having those in the, in the bedroom can always be really helpful. Uh, you know, always considering the color of the, the furniture that you're using. Um, yeah, and thinking about the dining area. You know, you want to be sure that the, the dining area is, is nice and comfortable as well. 
Uh, coated spoons can be really good for a person whose gums may be very sensitive at that time. Weighted silverware for somebody who has tremors. Elevated plates can be really good too. That can help a person. Ergonomic mugs uh, are a really great way to be able to enhance grip for somebody. Uh, and then we're thinking about the bedroom, uh, you know, making sure that there are round tables everywhere too. You know, we want to avoid sharp corners on furniture. Uh, there are telephones that are programmed by people's faces as opposed to numbers. So a person can just look at the face and they can make that phone and make the phone call to that person. Yeah, there's just so much. Uh, adjustable beds are really great for an individual as well. I know that I had mentioned about the, the motion detector. So if somebody were to get out of the bed, somebody can be um, uh, alerted if the person does get out of the bed. Uh, in the bathroom, thinking about grab bars, making sure there are grab bars everywhere. Uh, Comfort-heighted uh, toilets are really good too, so a person can get up and down more easily. Uh, thinking about floor tiles and, and floors in general really should be more of that matte color versus glossy, as I mentioned before. Yeah, just having that color contrast throughout the home, including the bathroom, so that a person can see uh, when, you know, where, where there is a cabinet and what might, what might be in that cabinet. Or if you don't want the person to really see that there's a cabinet, as Heather had mentioned before, camouflaging. Uh, and we have to be conscious of, of mirrors as well. I think mirrors can be very difficult uh, because a person, uh, sometimes somebody's um, own reflection can scare an individual. So you might want to have to cover the mirrors. And, uh, you know, also thinking about in the bathroom, thinking about, you know, the bathroom rugs. Sometimes a bathroom mug can be a really great thing to have to be able to be very soothing for a person's feet, especially like a soft bathroom rug. But you don't want it to be a tripping hazard either. So, you know, just considering that as well when you when you have bathtub mats or, or mats on the floor. Uh, shower curtains, you know, shower curtains are something that could either make a shower and bath look inviting or it could make it look, you know, dizzying and disorienting. So, you know, if a person likes a specific color, sticking with the color versus having busy, busying sort of patterns all over the shower that might make a person not want to walk toward the shower. And then just thinking about, you know, the outside of the home, yet again, making sure that any tools or any type of tools or, or weapons or anything like that, making sure that those are stored away, uh, making sure that hoses are wrapped up and put away so the person's not going to trip over those. Uh, you know, also thinking about if a person is in a wheelchair, making sure that they're able to get in and out of the home very easily. So there's, there's lots of different things that you can think about to be able to, to help to create that dementia-friendly home. Oh, Jennifer, this has been a really helpful walk through the home, really helping us look critically at um, different aspects of design and how they could support or even um, kind of almost contradict the person. Mm -hmm. I wonder um, if you could give us your final thought when it comes to a dementia-friendly home. 
Well, you know, we, I was, I was talking before about person-centered approach. We always want to put the individual right there in the middle of everything that we're thinking and doing. So, you know, it's always got to be the person's preferred choice, you know, thinking about what colors do they love? What, what, what kind of foods does the person still enjoy, you know, bringing texture to their, to their, to their world when they're still able to eat. Uh, you know, and just making sure that that anything that is planned for that home, that the person is incorporated in that plan. Today, our conversation has been with Jennifer Reeder, a licensed clinical social worker and director of education and social services with the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. We so appreciate you helping us untangle creating a dementia friendly home. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and I just want everybody to know that they can reach out to uh, AFA at any time if they ever need anything else. We have uh, licensed clinical social workers working on our helpline seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And thank you so much to our listeners. And thank you, Heather, for another great conversation. Um, to our listeners, if you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast. I'm looking forward to our next conversation on Dementia Untangled. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dementia Untangled. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dementia Untangled is hosted by Heather Mulder and Janice Greeno, produced and edited by Amber Ayers, and is brought to you by Banner Alzheimer's Institute and Banner Sun Health Research Institute. We are supported by generous donations to the Banner Alzheimer's Foundation. Please visit our website at banneralz.org and follow us on Facebook to learn about upcoming events. If you have questions or comments, please email us at dementiauntangled at bannerhealth.com. Mm -hmm.